The Safety Doc Podcast is in part brought to you by Sprigio.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. This is podcast number one, and I am the Safety Doc. My name is David, and I have a PhD in Educational Leadership and Policy Analysis from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. You can see back there, I got my old Bucky sign up on the wall. Um, And I have served as a school administrator for a number of years, a safety consultant long ago as a firefighter, um, uh, author, number of things to do with school safety. And my purpose in this podcast is to talk bluntly about school safety because there's a lot of hysteria around school safety. Actually, following the Sandy Hook uh, massacre, I was on PBS and did a presentation about the empirical science of school safety. Um, and that we need to be vigilant, but things aren't as bad as, as what they seem. Um, so we're going to talk about that during the, these weekly podcasts. And let me give you the format. So a little bit about uh, my, my week in safety, and then we are going to look at some interesting facts having to do with a crisis event from history. And I'd love to dig into things. I've got a book right here, uh, The Unthinkable by Amanda Ripley, a wonderful book uh, among many that I have regarding safety. And I have various little facts I want to pull up, I think, that are going to be interesting to you, give you perspective, make you think twice about some of the, the perceptions that you might have or others might have about safety. So um, we're going to just touch on some of those things. And then every week I harvest headlines from across the nation, headlines about school safety, things that are in newspapers, on social media. And we're going to talk about maybe one or two in depth. And I'm going to dissect it, uh, typically finding areas that... um, might not always align very well with what really is happening. Because what we know about safety in general is safety is irrational. In school safety, there's a lot of irrational thought, just we're rational beings, and, and we tend to have hysteria. So let me help you through that. And, and this broadcast is, is just going to make, um, make you better at being able to identify the, the changes in, in everyday routines, the little variations from the flux where being um, skilled in safety and understanding safety can really come into play to help you and to help those that you care about, especially if you're a parent and have kids going to school. So um, let me let me get right into it. Um, one of the things too is when I when I've conducted research and when I talk about things, I typically don't use sources such as Google Scholar. Um, I, I dig a little deeper. And if you go to JURN, J-U-R-N dot org, and I will put links um, with each of these, these podcasts, uh, you can find things that are more empirically based. I, I'd love to read what's coming out from current doctoral students because it's typically the most current stuff and it hasn't been uh, manipulated by uh, media or other interests. So um, this podcast is going to be about 30 to 40 minutes long. And it then will be put into an MP3 format and will be available on uh, MP3 
podcast um, host site, which I have yet to determine. Um, so we are in that development stage. So, but again, here's our inaugural broadcast. This broadcast, um, or I should say the, po the podcast is being, um, it, it's possible in part because of the support of Sprigio. Uh, Sprigio is a company, S-P-R-I-G-E-O. I'll have it linked out um, in California. Joe Bruze is the CEO, um, and they're prevalent in a, across the nation in um, bullying and school safety education and also reporting um, and threat reporting systems. So Joe's a great guy. If you looked, he's, he's also an author. Um, but Sprigio is, uh, is doing wonderful things for, for safety, and they are a partner that uh, to help bring this podcast to you um, in helping with the fees for hosting and, and also to channel some of the material my way and to make sure that we have an audience. Uh, Sprigio has a robust audience and, and that they can then spread this, this podcast along with you. Please subscribe and tell your friends um, so you can listen in. And if anything, I've been told I have a good personality and, uh, and that I'm interested, so we'll see. Let's talk, though, about some facts. One is in Amanda Ripley's book, um, The Unthinkable, she analyzes, uh, again, several tra uh, tragic events and then looks through those uh, for making sense, trying to understand what happened and also irrational moments. And something that happened during 9-11, uh, so we, with the Twin Towers, one is safety drills at 9-11. A number of the people that were identified as kind of their, their floor chairperson for safety, um, those folks didn't know what to do. They kind of, they, in interviews, you know, post, post the attacks, um, you know, they said they, when they had drills, and this happens a lot, and I, I put this in my research, when they had drills, uh, they would announce a drill, it's a safety drill evacuation, and, and what happens is people would kind of gather stuff from their desk and whatever, da, 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 work their way into a lobby area, and then just kind of wait. They wouldn't travel down the stairs, they wouldn't do things like that. They would wait for the announcement, which always happens, you know, okay, drill's over, go back to your desk. Um, and it... An interesting part with with 9/11 and the interviews that um, Amanda had done with um, survivors who had exited the Twin Towers is one of the behaviors. And this this seems completely irrational, but one of the behaviors of survivors was to spend about four minutes gathering personal belongings um, before heading out. To the lobby area and then you know eventually for the floors it did start to head downstairs um, you know the, to the first thing imagine this imagine this that your your response is it's disbelief because it's not rational that the towers are going to be attacked by a plane it's not rational that they're going to collapse it's not rational that the fire department and the, the suppression systems aren't going to be able to handle whatever might be going on so the initial response in a tragedy and redundant across tragedies um, is a, a sense of denial that this really isn't happening. And you need to be able to snap out of that denial phase. 
Um, that's that's um, Rory Miller uh, also does has produced books. Um, is a, a wonderful safety expert, and he, he talks about the same phenomena where um, you know it's almost like you need four times in per Rory to really get the hang of something. So like if you're a police officer, after you've seen something, you're, you're brand new, you've seen it like the fourth time, then by the fifth time you see it, you, you have this knowledge to build off and you know how to respond and how to process it. So these first time kind of way out their events, it's really hard to process to get, get your head around them. So again, think about this fact that um, a, a majority of people that had exited the building spent what they calculate out to be about four minutes gathering items from their desk. So if I were to gather um, things, you know, here my voice recorder, uh, my badger mug. Uh, I probably would let the pens uh, stay though. But, um, and um, maybe my my ship here of the, of the Edmund Fitzgerald would come with me. Um, and uh, finally my coffee cup. So, um, but one of uh, another aspect that survivors um, of of the towers, there's actually a survivor group that goes out, and and they meet and they talk about people who work in high rises and what to expect if something happens in that high rise, like if it's attacked, what to expect. Because they said if we would have known this, if someone would have told us, we would have responded faster, would have probably been calmer, would have methodically processed it, um, and. So as we talk about that, um, you know, knowing, you know, knowing what to expect. So, I mean, just, just think about that. Uh, this, the survivors group and Amanda talked about meeting with the survivors group and she thought it would be more, uh, you know, the emotions of the, the, you know, the event and the tragedy. Um, but it was really about the survivors getting together and, and meeting to empower others of saying, here's what you need to know in case this happens to you. So, and again, it's that, you know, you might have uh, an initial reaction and very typical, very typical because you're, you're going to have this denial. You're going to have this initial reaction um, to, to kind of gather up belongings and to take them down, you know, with you, gather your things. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, think about that. Who would have thought? So let's move on. Um, I did get a haircut today. So, and, uh, yeah, my typically, and I, I have a pair of... Uh, Glasses have skulls inside, but they're not down here at the moment. But uh, nonetheless, I can see you. You can see me. Let's keep going. Um, the article I want to talk about today was published on November 10th in the Standard Banner in Jefferson City, Tennessee. I'll link this out. Um, I have the article right here. I printed it off. Uh, you can see on the front there the good folks at uh, Jefferson City High School. And... What they did um, is, the, the headline is, Tabletop Exercise Simulates Shooting Incident at JCHS, Jefferson County High School. Um, they did uh, tabletop exercise off-site. They did it um, at a, a community uh, center, and their, their key was to go through their safety system and talk about what would we do if we had an active shooter in our, in our district. They did this the right way. 
a lot of people don't. I'll get into that in another another podcast. And as we look at headings, there's, every day I get probably 10 headings in my Google Alerts. Um, but I want to talk about what they did, what they did right. They did the they really had a terrific approach to this. So there are so many drills out there right now, and it's all of this 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 drama, these simulations where um, kids and, and staff are all bloodied up and put into hallways as if they've been shot, and then police come in and, and run these multi-agency drills and fire an EMS and all of this other stuff of trying to, you know, pretend there's an active shooter and things like that. And I'm telling you, that's not the way to go. Don't do that. Uh, first of all, uh, multi-agency, everybody that's there at that moment, the next day, that's not the same group of people responding. Second, most school shootings don't um, don't come don't play out that way. That's just not the way that it happens. Um, and most of those those of the the shooting events um, have scenarios where either uh, you, you don't have mass casualty. That's 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 pretty rare. Um, and the the other aspect is you have you have this massive emotional trauma which is going on. I'm writing a book right now for. Um, Roman and, and Littlefield, and I have a number of safety books which are being, uh, will, will be published. And um, there are lawsuits that have been filed by staff, by students, at saying, I've been traumatized because of these, these outrageous drills, uh, you know, where I'm walking through and I'm seeing a classmate with a, you know, covered in a bucket of, of fake blood. And, and even the responders are being traumatized by these events, police officers. Uh, Kent Williams um, talks about the trauma. He's a police officer that, that officers go through, not specific into the, the drills that I'm talking about, but um, we, we think this is the way to teach it is to get hyper-realistic, but we do not teach fire drills that way. We don't set buckets of, of waste paper on fire and, uh, you know, turn the sprinklers on and, and, and tell the kids to, you know, good luck getting through the hallways. And this is our drill. And plus, by the way, the firefighters are going to be running in as you're, as you're running out. Um, we don't run tornado drills with huge barn fans at the end of a hallway and people shoving gravel into them, you know, in debris. So you're, you're being, you know, pelted as you, as you, you know, make your, um, you know, make your way down to your, your crouch area for safety. I mean, we don't do things like that. We shouldn't do it for safety in this, this, it's this interagency response. It, and again, there's much more to that. It, it, it doesn't play out that way. It doesn't play out that way. It causes a lot of trauma. What they're doing here in Jefferson City is awesome. They have a tabletop. They've taken it off site. You can Google tabletop exercise, get some ideas for how to do that. Something that I do. Um, they held it at the public library. So, and, and their philosophy is, hey, there's no wrong answers. We're going to talk about what would we do? So they go through, they bring kind of their safety manuals. They bring their, their school team their administrators, you know, some teachers, fire EMS, and they're all there. And they have you know, a big table. We can see it out here on the, you know, they, they, have, a, they have a map. It looks like of the school, and, and they're talking. Um, but uh, so, you know, they, they're, they're saying, and they, and they point out in this article, a uh, nice, nice job in this article saying, you know, really it's, it's about 10 minutes that something like this would last, which is true. I mean, it's, a, it, it, it's about 10 minutes. I, that's research. That's proven. So you don't need to plan out for an active shooter event that's going to be taking, you know, an hour. It just does not happen that way. Again, about 10 minutes. So they're looking at, um, you know, what would we need to do during that, that first 10 minutes? So 
They're saying call 911 from a landline. Yeah, you know, that's good. It's good if you can do that. If you use a cell phone, though, it's just it's going to be just as effective. They kind of get into a little bit of the hype in the article of saying, well, you know, cell phone lines might not be reliable and things like that. Well, yeah, not not today. Yes, they are. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have a cell phone, you have a cell phone. Use, use it. So, um, you know, it used to, back in, you know, 10, 15 years ago, yeah, towers would get overwhelmed, things like that. It doesn't happen. It's not the way it is today. So um, they they were talking about um, that there would be a perimeter that would be set up and that they would be then. Um, so so here's a statement for, here's from the article. It was suggested by some that frightened parents could cause a major problem. The best plan for dealing with them would be to send them to the nearest secured site. Yes, because parents are going to descend upon that school the moment they're getting texts from their kid saying, hey, something's not right here. Those parents are going to descend. It happened at Columbine where it clogged the arteries. They accessed the school for emergency responders. It happened at Newton. It happens. So if you can talk and, and you know that this is going to be a problem, that's one, you know it's a problem. The second part is then you go out and you tell the parents, hey, this is going to be your first response. We talked about kind of that irrationality that response of this is my the thing that I need to do is get to the school. Well, that's not the thing you need to do because if you do that, you're going to to block those the, that access to the school by emergency responders. You don't want to do that. Plus, I mean, you're not going to be thinking rationally as you as you're driving to school and and, and you know you're not going to probably be driving safely. And um, but what they're doing here is they're saying we're gonna we're going to identify a site and we're going to let parents know where that site is and that they could go to and then we will get information to them at that site. That's a great idea. It's a little bit tricky because if you get a site that's that's too close to the school, that site might be within a secured perimeter and people aren't going to be able to get to that. So it's best, imagine, this is what I imagine. Start of the year and it's in the handbook and all of that and you're getting it out and, and, and making sure, you know, if something like this happens, parents, um, we are going to, to communicate, you know, through the police, um, you know, with you. And through social, you know, media in the news, you'll get information. But we want you to go to this location. You know, maybe it is. It's going to, you know, you work it out. It's going to be, the, uh, it, you know, where you have a lot of parking, a lot of access, things like that. You know, whatever it is. And you're going to go to this, you know, to this location. And then we will have someone that we will send there to, to meet with you and then, Either that will be a unification, a reunification location, or else we'll work with you on identifying what that is. But parents, we're not going to know until we fully know what the event is. Um, if it involves one school, multiple schools, and we're talking about active shooter, but maybe it's a storm. You know, maybe it's it's a freak storm that comes up and does damage, and then there's infrastructure damage, you know, which is done too. Um, and responders are prioritizing to how they're they're. You know, it's a school. What if a hospital's hit, um, hit by a tornado, things like this? So I think if you let people know ahead of time, I don't think this. I know this. I know this from research. And that's where it comes into those 9-11 um, survivors. Let people know ahead of time what to expect. Let them know what to expect. Parents will handle this in a much more calm, collected way, even though the tragedy of, of what's unfolding, um, they know, hey, the school said there's going to be a perimeter. Okay, there's a perimeter. We're not we're not shocked by that. We know that there's a site we're going to go to. Okay, we're going to go there. Someone's going to meet us, and they're going to let us know what's going on. So good job, Jefferson City. Um, 
So they, they had a novel idea they came up with of they would contact their bus garage and then use their buses to block off arteries to the school so parents in media couldn't get in through those arteries, but yet they could unblock those so then they could let law enforcement and fire and stuff through. Not a bad idea. The reality is, no, it's not going to happen because um, by the time there's there's reasons for that. One is by the time you rally your your bus drivers and, and get everyone together, the event is, has concluded at that time. Um, again, we're talking about 10 minutes, you know, this, it's, it's not going to happen. The other part is you're probably going to need your buses available um, to transfer, transfer students, uh, you know, from the school to an off-site location for unification with parents. So, yeah, uh, interesting, novel idea. So it's great. It's great you came up with that. Um, but analyze it more and say, you know what, um, in reality, probably not, probably not going to happen. So, um, but that's good. It's good. I love to see things in here. And, and there's a statement um, that, you know, there is no, there's no wrong answer um, in this. You know, anything you say, is, let's evaluate individual ideas. Good job. Good job. That's what you need to do. Um, let me da, 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 go to the last part of this. Uh, my goal, again, 30, 40 minutes on these because I know you are busy. Uh, and, and I want to get this content down for you so you stay engaged. Uh, uh, so um, for an emergency such as this, they're talking active, active shooter law enforcement leaders would put out an urgent call for all their off-duty officers, mutual aid would be summoned, um, and, and people would respond. Yeah, that's true. That happens. And what that means, though, is that means that hundreds, hundreds of responders uh, law enforcement largely are going to be coming to this event, especially if it's like an uh, active shooter. And they will be coming not only from 10 miles away, but from 50 miles away. And this always happens. Always happens. There were literally hundreds of responders to the Sick Temple shooting in um, Oakville, Wisconsin, that came from all over. So that's something else. You think about parents descending upon a school. And a lot of these responders are coming by the time the event has, has concluded. And then the, um, the benefit, though, that's not mentioned in the article, is how are you going to utilize those responders then, you know, through your local police force, um, maybe have those responders staged somewhere. And those responders then can help with reunification um, and can help to, to sweep the site and, and to do, you know, any, anything that needs to to be facilitated with investigations and you know so forth, use them in that capacity and secure that perimeter. So not mentioned in this, but again, that's something that's going to happen if you tell parents ahead of time. Hey, I mean, there might be, you know, uh, two hours after this this event where maybe it was a student came in, you know, and and fired a few rounds and then you know surrendered. Uh, it could be it's a crime scene, you know. Staff aren't going to be able to get to their vehicles. Everything is, is perimeter off. There's, you know, 45 police cars from 45 different agencies, you know, that have responded. And they're helping, um, you know, with the, through a chain of command with the local um, with the local police. That's another thing in the article. They, they talk a lot to, uh, I think, about what they're going to be doing as a school to manage this event and to manage these responders. And really, um, that's not that's not going to be happening. 
the police are going to take over this event. The management, the, the control, instant command system of this event very, very rapidly. So once, as a school administrator then, you know, your, your administrator or PR person is going to be working with the, the officer, you know, maybe buildings and grounds, a top officer on, on things like, um, you know, joint uh, broadcast, uh, press releases to the media and updates and things like that. And, and the police are going to be asking, you know, questions um, uh, of, you know, okay, you know, where's your student roster? And if we do, if we do have to do reunification, then, um, you know, how can we, how can we both work together on, on that? But again, remember, initially the officers are there to take care of the, the threat of what's happening. And, but as a school, you don't have to come up with this plan of this, this binder of here's what we're going to work with on the police um, as we go through this, this event. The police are going to tell you how they need you to, to, to help them. So, um, again, you know, it's like on that, that, that perimeter, you know, for school, it's not your job to line the buses up into a, a, a circle, you know, and corral around the school. Uh, you know, law enforcement is going to set up that perimeter. If they would happen to say, hey, we can use some buses, then they do. That's law enforcement. That's not you. Um, and then let's see here. Any last things here? Um, okay. They started this exercise by the, the fire chief ran this. And the fire chief read the script out loud and talked about how the simulation would play out. And again, that's essential because uh, there there are these these schools and, and law enforcement and, and get you know these ideas of um, let's just surprise everybody with uh, this active intruder uh, drill. We're going to come on campus and see how people respond to it. No, no, no. Um, Sometimes, eventually someone's going to do that and, and a staff member or someone that has a weapon is going to pull it out and, and fire on someone that's conducting a drill because they're going to think it's authentic. So, um, but no, the, the, uh, the fire chief talked about what to expect, which was great. So people on what to expect in this drill, there's going to, and there's going to be some curveballs we'll throw in as things develop. You know, we're going to document things and we're going to look at it afterwards. But nice job with that. You just don't want to unfold it and then, um, you know, not educate people as to what the purpose is and, again, what the activity is going to look like. I think this whole thing of we need to do the surprise factor with people and see how they respond. No, don't do that. On an airplane, you know, at the first it, flying, you know, this is a, seat's a flotation device and you do this and this and this. You know, it's there to let you know ahead of time what to expect. And, you know, that there's going to be the doors here and, you, you know, you go, you know, you go out and things like that. You know, it's, it's, it's to let you know. Um, it makes sense, right? And uh, so da, 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 da. I think that's it. I want to just say, though, that um, I commend. Now, I'm going to be looking at articles. Uh, some of them are, are pretty out there. Um, and I, I really want to commend the, uh, the star or the standard um, banner here for this, this article and uh, Je Jefferson, um, uh, the Jefferson uh, City 
uh, high school folks here for and, and the district for putting this on the way that they did with the interagency. Uh, really well done. Well done. Link to this article. Read this article. Get in contact with these folks if, if you talk want to talk about drills happening in your own district. Because I'm telling you that these high drama simulations, which are becoming the norm, they're not, they're not rare. This is the norm now. Um, you can expect uh, these types of, of drills. Um, these tabletop that um, the, the tabletop that, that, I, that I just talked about through JCHS, well done. This is the way to talk about safety and to study safety and safety response. So, all right, uh, I'm going to wrap it up here. And again, um, I'm thankful for uh, Sprigio. And Sprigio is a California-based company, and they are helping to support uh, me, the safety doc, uh, David, as I talk to you every week about um, school safety, some safety facts, safety at large. Uh, Sprigio, uh, S-P-R-I-G-E-O.com. Um, contact them. Contact Joe. Uh, prevalent in... in it, across uh, half the nation and rapidly growing, not only for reporting software, uh, but for uh, professional development for educators. Uh, Joe and Sprigio recently held a conference with the top middle school uh, administrators in America uh, to talk about the issues uh, facing um, uh, middle school from a safety perspective. So um, the, again, the great, uh, great team at Sprigio growing, bringing safety, bringing it in the correct manner, uh, really focusing on accessible interfaces for students, all students, including students with disabilities. Uh, just can't say enough about the great folks at, uh, at Sprigio. So my name, again, David, David Perodin, the safety doc. Um, and this was our first podcast. Hey, we got it down, 30 minutes. See you here in about a week. So stay safe.